0: Alex, you're here. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Daniel's not here. Uh, we wish him best of luck in his future endeavors. Uh, he's not leaving the show, but you know,
1: he's I, being well, replaced by no. Imagine
0: Mike's Mike works through like the <laughs> coolest. <cooing anime. laughs> oh yeah, and uh, no, Daniel's just he's got family stuff. He'll be around whenever we record again. Because again, we record once there's enough to talk about nowadays. Because it's the off season, it's. Uh, a busy offseason, though. There's been a lot going on, Alex.
1: There has been, and there has been a lot not going on.
0: Uh, hello, Nazim Kadri. How are you? That's a big one.
1: I'm now on board with the theory that he is a New York Islander. I've just, I've accepted it. If it's not true, it's not, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> if it's not true, it's not true, but I've, I've accepted that.
0: I think it was a David Pagnot. may have said some stuff today that maybe it is going to be the Islanders, but then they maybe have some in-house stuff to do. There's a lot of teams that were waiting for free agents to sign and maybe they're clearing out money. It sounds like that's also the case with PK Subban. Cause if we just look, I'll just get calf friendly up here. You know, we really should just permanently have it up at the same time. There are still teams that need to make room Tampa. I think you kind of put an asterisk next to because of Brent Seabrook. The caps are a little weird there because of Nick Backstrom's deal, but then it's the Panthers need to make room. The Oilers are still kind of what we do in there. The Canucks are over the cap, and I I don't know if Michael Ferland's LTI is right there. So, hey, we want to we want to make cap space. What's going on with JT Miller? I don't know. Uh, the Leafs are obviously there. The Penguins and that. Uh, there's Vegas still need to do stuff. So, need stuff needs to happen. So you we're waiting for moves.
1: Do you know what's crazy? So. With Vegas, their roster size is sixteen out of twenty-three. Oh my god! And they're almost a million and a half over the cap, which means we're either going to see a lot of guys, a lot of young guys, or I don't, I don't know what this team's going to look like next year. Or but Alex Transullo, like, 16, like they're 20, thirty minutes every night. Literally, literally.
0: Well, what young guys do they have?
1: I don't know. Been just trading. Just the guys, the young guys.
0: Just, just random guys that are like six-round pick. Uh, you know, you probably need to play in the AHL, but you're coming up. They also need to sign Wah and Colisar still, as well as Nick Hague needs to oh that. my goodness. Who is William Redell and why is he on a PTO? I don't know who that is. at Vegas are a messy man. I don't know what's going on with them. I want to open with some stuff that's not to do with hockey, though, Alex. Okay. Um want well, to talk about some F1.
1: Yeah, let's do it. We haven't so, done it in a while. There's so just, much uh, to talk about.
0: I didn't I didn't put it on the dock, but I'll quickly just throw it on now so I can remember. We're gonna get to Alonzo in a second because that was kind of funny. That
1: was interesting.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, but first off, Sebastian Vettel, the four-time world champion, Red Bull's former crown prince, we can call him the youngest. <laughs> I think it was is it the, the the youngest F1 champion that that we've seen in the sport at one time, the youngest pole sitter. He's leaving at the end of the season for greener pastures, greener yeah. than the Aston Martin car.
1: <laughs> no, man, that's, I mean, good for him. Like, obviously he deserves it. The, what he's done in F1 to me on and off, just like, I think the personality that he brings always good for uh, sport in general and what he was able to do on the track. And, you know, yeah, those, those Red Bull years were great. We won't talk about those, those Ferrari years. We're, we don't we need to talk we, about we Ferrari
0: period right now.
1: We 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 don't need to do that. Uh, definitely so. definitely didn't get screwed over at Ferrari. I mean I'm sure he's he. Let's not talk about Ferrari. I'm mean, gonna just get myself upset. <laughs> but yeah, no Vettel just great great driver and one of the best of I'd say this generation of drivers.
0: I've always wanted to go back and watch his Red Bull days to really see, you know, it's, it's funny that, you know, he's, he's always been very open about the environment and his beliefs and that kind of stuff. Uh, I remember when you went for the Canadian Grand Prix, he was sort of calling out the oil sands out West and people weren't happy about that. But, but also like about that, remember earlier in the season when there was, there was like the jewelry regulations and Lewis was getting snippy about it. Yeah, And then there was the stuff about certain underpants and then Sebastian just wore a pair over his racing suit, he's just such a funny dude. And but do you know what? At his peak, what a competitor! We always think about the Mark weber stuff and that, and you know, those classic lines of we were racing, I was faster, I beat him. <sighs> he was a low key bastard back in the day,
1: he was. And I'll always remember this picture. And I, man, I wish I could have found it this morning, but the one where he's bowing down to his car.
0: Just how good
1: that that car is.
0: mm -hmm. Was that the, I think it was at the Indian Grand Prix when he won his fourth title, I think is, but I know exactly what you mean though. I've seen the picture. Yeah. It's It's,
1: a great picture. it's,
0: It's very iconic. It's very iconic. Replacing him at Aston Martin though is another former world champion, Mr. Fernando Alonso. This is the first day of the summer break for Formula One, by the way. Yeah. And then Fernando just came out and said, yeah, I'm leaving. It sounds like it, it's a thing of he gets a multi-year deal and Alpine weren't willing to do that because they obviously have that. What is it? Oscar Piastri Is there something his Piastri. name? The former F2 champion? Piastri. Piastri who yeah. seems to be very good. Um, yeah, I
1: think he was supposed to get a, the way I understood. The, I remember hearing that Alonzo was going to sign a one-year extension essentially. Mm-hmm. Obviously that never happened. Uh, and now he's at Aston Martin. That's an interesting one for Aston Martin, just because I guess you look at what Alonzo did with, <clears throat> with Alpine in terms of listen, that car is better than it was when he was before he joined. Mm-hmm. I'd argue. Um, I wonder if Aston Martin's thinking the same thing. Also, they need someone who's a little bit better than Lance Stroll.
0: Oh, fair enough, and I don't think he can get much better, even in his old old I shouldn't say old age. What's Fernando forty one? He's still yeah. incredible.
1: Oh, I love it. I I love it that he's still driving. I it's, never want him to retire.
0: He's another character that the sport. Remember when he he retired in Vettel when they were like the drivers were doing their videos and Sebastian just says goodbye until we see you back in a few years, Fernando. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly everyone
1: everyone had to know. Like I, it, it was just unfortunate because I remember. That During that time obviously McLaren was Good lord bad mm-hmm. Like bad bad Yes um, And it was the Honda engines It wasn't a great time I just that's. I feel like that's why he left <laughs> Obviously that's why he left But like Wish he stayed
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah I mean hey, Lando uh, I would like to currently see Lando And Fernando because D- Danny Ooh. Rick Oh Ooh. we're just waiting we're just waiting for Danny Rick to put it all together. And I don't know if he
1: will. I don't think I just he's not in this car.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we should also also give our condolences to the family of Bill Russell, yes. the 11 time NBA champion, the Olympic gold medalist, one of like the biggest winners ever. Uh, it's been really cool seeing some of the clips of, of interviews he's done. And like, I saw this one thing of him talking to Kobe Bryant um, and that, which was really cool. Uh, but also seeing like, it's like getting a bit of a history lesson to see how sort of outspoken he was. And some of the stuff that he dealt with, like dealt with when he was winning championships and sort of the the racial abuse he got a hell of a life and hell of an athlete too. Uh, We don't always talk about basketball, but there are some names that sort of transcend certain sports. And I think like if you're, I think every kid at one point has looked up who's won the most titles in some sport. And of course you see the Richard brothers and then maybe you think of Henri. And then you see right there, eleven titles in basketball. You see Bill Russell. So, like I almost said, hell of a, hell of a career. But what I meant to say was, a hell of a life. Yeah. On and off yeah. the court. One hundred percent. Hockey?
1: Before, I, I I do feel like I want I need to bring up Ferrari because I need to vent some anger or some frustration.
0: You're not even the Ferrari fan. No, I feel just I just I, I, hate I just need right to now.
1: I I need to vent some frustration out at how. This, like, you know, I've, I've been watching this weekend, I watched a documentary um about the rivalry between Nicky Lauda and James Hunt, like at its prime, 1976, the year he crashed, came back, and didn't end up winning the title, but it came down to that last race day.
0: The, the Nicky Lauda when he burned his face, Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: And there was a quote in there that I thought was really interesting. And I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't remember it exact uh, word by word, but it was essentially like Ferrari loves you if you're winning, but if you're losing, you're gone. And that was, an, that was because of Enzo Ferrari, like, mm-hmm. like, right? Because he was still around at that, uh, when that was going on. And you know, there was quotes from other drivers uh, who drove for Ferrari and said the same thing. And it's like, and this isn't Charles's fault. I mean, like, there's okay. Listen, every driver makes mistakes, but like, some of the 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 strategy strategy decisions are just what are we doing here? Like, I I can't say you can't look at the 2022 cars and say that the regulations didn't work. We had this conversation last night. The regulations mm. work. The difference between Red Bull and Ferrari. And then the difference between Ferrari and Mercedes is, I'd say, closer than what it has been in the past, uh, especially the last few years. I mean, except last year, but be prior to last year, the except it was pretty far apart. Mercedes was very well ahead. Mm-hmm. It's just the some of the decisions that have been made is just I, I don't understand.
0: Listen, Paul Ricard, Charles Binning it. At- you know, yeah, that's on him. Mm-hmm. Monaco was not on him. Yesterday's race was not on Charles Leclerc, was not on Carlos Sainz. Uh, like at all, they have been... Stag- Carlos had a bit of a stretch at the beginning of the season where he wasn't great, but Charles especially has just been dynamite all year. And they just can... The fact that you start 2-3, you have a car that looked like it was the fastest on track at one point. Mattia Bonato saying they didn't have the pace I nearly wanted to throw my computer at a wall when he could know that's you had the pace I was re-watching the the battle that Charles Leclerc had with George Russell uh earlier today the first time that's an example of how well the cars are following each other so close do you remember Lewis and Alonso's battle at, at the Hungar ring last year and how it was almost it was great defense from yeah. uh, from Fernando but it was like So many tracks you've seen, it's better this year with the new regs, but last year it was like, you get in so close, but it's so frustrating because of the dirty air. Like it was almost like overtaking was such a hurdle. So that is, that is fixed. You've got a fast car. You've got a hell of a driver lineup. You started the year leading the world championship. By the way, I remember Charles won that first race. It was like, this is going to be amazing. And the strategy has just been like you saw, we talked about Fernando and Alpine. We had seen how many laps of them on the hearts, saw that it didn't work. And then you thought, hey, there, we're going to do this with the guy that right now we need to. In an opportunity where Max Verstappen starts the race at 10th, there's no excuse how you don't at least finish two, three in that race. No excuse at all. No. They were at, at m and but I was saying, I don't think we need to change anything. Like Spa and Monza are such important tracks just not even just for Ferrari, especially Monza, but for Charles Leclerc. And of course the Antoine stuff. His first win was at Spa. His uh, my favorite race of all time is when he won at Monza. You know. Those are two races where if they bottle this again, I don't see how Mattia Bonato is back next year. And I am not like the expert at Formula One that you or or our good friend Riley Fussels is. But like at at some point, you know. I feel it. It's it's you know what? I was so excited for this season. Cause it's like the halves were awful, last place, all of this. And I thought I can enjoy Formula One, I can enjoy Charles fighting for the championship. And it's just been them bottling it. And it's so frustrating to watch. It has been so frustrating. Um, but by the way, credit to Max. Uh you remember when what was was it Turkey a couple of years ago where Lewis I think he started six and he won the race and Sebastian Vettel said Lewis had no right to win that race, race and he still did. It was a credit to Lewis, right? Yeah. Max Verstappen had no business winning that race and he still did. Yeah. And he spun and still yeah. won. Um, so, like, credit to Crazy. him, by the way. That was like, an exceptional performance for Max Verstappen. Uh, yeah. Um, now let's hockey. get to hockey. Now, now let's, let's get, get to get
1: hockey. We're to- <laughs> <laughs> still listening. We
0: don't know. Sorry, but uh, hockey. There is one free agent that's signed. It's John Klingberg. Yes. Alex, is it Detroit?
1: It's not. Did, we did he go back to he... Dallas? No.
0: No. Where did he go, Alex? Tell us.
1: He went to Anaheim.
0: One year, $7 million after switching his agency. I think he went to Newport, um, which was already a bad sign. Uh, So at, at one point in the season, I want to say it was Jeff Merrick said that – the. the the numbers or at least that John Klingberg was looking for was around, I think it was like the $56 million range, right? So the AAV, I'm not good at math, but that would probably at least be in the $8 million range. Uh, And we all remember how the market for defensemen blew up last year, starting with Seth Jones. Uh, What the hell happened to John Klingberg? We'll get into Anaheim's point of view in this in a second, because I actually really like it for that.
1: Yeah, so do I. Um, No, I... You know, I, I'd imagine there's a few guys who overplayed the market a bit. And now if Nazim Kadri didn't sign with the Islanders, like this theory is going around there. I'd imagine he's also one of those guys as well. I just think what it came like, I think what we saw last year was just everyone just shelling out so much money. Right. I think we talked about it on this show Whereas this year, because of, and maybe it's because of what happened last year or just because of uh, the cap, so many teams are so much more cap strapped. There's teams who are still working with an internal cap that the money that they thought was out there isn't necessarily out there, in my opinion. Like we were just saying before, 10 teams, 10 teams are over the cap right now. 10. Mm-hmm. And they're still, and we're talking about teams that are still going to be making moves to clear more cap. But who's going to take on this cap, right? That's what the question comes down to. And you know, we look at what happened with Vegas and Carolina, and you know, Vegas sending Max Pacioretty to um, uh, Carolina. Carolina, sorry. And you know, I, I believe it was Alan Walsh on the uh, on agent provocateur was talking about how like Carolina was one of the was the only team in who could take max patch full seven million dollars and that Mm -hmm. leaves vegas with absolutely zero leverage that i mean they didn't have any leverage to begin with but that gave carolina just the utmost no future considerations that's it you're not getting a seventh you're not getting some nobody like some nobody ahl player like you're getting future considerations and i wonder if because the cap has moved a single million dollar rather than if you look at the other leagues where the cap is actually going up and it's not artificial, if how much of an impact that's been on free agents.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, John Klingberg is a defenseman where you, I remember
1: Right handed
0: fans, yeah, right Hey, which is even more shocking. You know, he's a guy that everyone knows about his offensive ability and, and the sort of advanced numbers on him are terrific. Anytime he has the puck, uh, it's just the defensive side of things is like, oh, oh my, he's sort of like John Carlson, I think, is the but I, I'd say like a well, what's the term here? Uh, light. Is that the term that, that the kids use?
1: John, John, Carlson, John Carlson Light?
0: Yes. Yeah. Sure. Something like that. I think you could kind of say. Um, I, I, I thought like if he was going to get a deal, it was, I would give him around $7 million, but the sort of towards $8 million is he's just not that offensively gifted. Like he's gifted, but he's not. Super elite so yeah maybe he thought He was going to get that sort of seven Eight year deal and I think uh, maybe some of us thought Dallas Were going to cave in with sort of how It looked like they weren't going to make the Jeff Petrie move And all that Uh, Your your cap point though like I'm looking again at cap friendly right And just some of you Look at some of the names out there we're going to get to them And you just look at the money available right now And it's funny That like it doesn't like obviously the Stars are still getting their money you know what I mean? Most of them are still getting, you know, look at Kachuk gets his big deal and mm-hmm. all that. Guys like Hubert, now are going to get affected. Petrangelo got his big deal right when COVID started. But like, I'm just looking at some teams in their cap space right now. And it's like Montreal, $200,000. They've got some pretty big free agents next year, aka Cole Caulfield. Love to see how that's going to get done. Um, the Blues have less than a million dollars right now. And what's important here is as I read, I list a few more of these names starting with St. Louis's Competitive teams are going to want to have cap space and start backing cap space to make moves at the deadline. Right? Mm-hmm. So there the Rangers have a million dollars. The Kings have one and a half. The hurricanes apparently have 1.8. The sharks. Well, they're not contenders. We don't know what they are is a $2 million. The Kraken are already down to $2.1 million. The abs are just at 3.9 and they need to find a new center, obviously. And then you just sort of keep going down the list. The Bruins are like four and a half million dollars and they're sort of at the lower half there. Um, but they obviously need to make some moves. What the hell is going on with Bergeron and, and, um, and Krejci Berger. right now? And then you go sort of names after that and you hit like the guys who really have space. You start seeing Winnipeg aren't contenders. Uh, you see Ottawa, who obviously are going to have Josh Norris's new contract. Uh, and of course, have to bring to resign next year. Uh, then it's the Devils, who aren't serious contenders. Calgary, who sort of have space right now because they obviously lost some something. pretty big players and they need to sort of bring in more help. Detroit, who aren't, are not better now, but aren't elite contenders. The Blackhawks, who are trying their very best to be bad. The Islanders, who are going to spend money on Kadri. The Stars, who need to re-sign some pretty big free agents we've talked about. The Ducks, who are bad. The Sabres, who are bad. And the coyotes who are bad and don't have an NHR arena to plan. So that's the sort of space we're in. The other teams that I didn't mention there are basically within three to five million dollars in cap space right now. And I haven't even looked specifically at what some RFA situations are going to be like. Oh yeah. So, like the Devils, for example, and we know what's going on with Jesper Bratton that arbitration case. And man, the, the devils, by the way, like four and a half. What are you doing there? But that's the word we're in right now, and there are so many guys getting squeezed. Like I always yeah. want, like Sammy Vatnan, I think should still be in the NHL, and he got sort of pushed out a couple years ago.
1: Yeah, and you, we you, going back to that number, the fifty-six million range. So I did the math. It's in either it's either a seven-year deal at eight million dollars or an eight-year deal at seven million dollars at uh, 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 that number. And obviously, the eight years only Dallas could do that. Uh, and I mean, they could have done that up until I believe July 13th uh, was the day they could hand out that eight-year deal. I, I think John Klingberg here got squeezed, right? Like mm-hmm. literally like every, like the, and he's not a in this class of free agents. He wasn't a middle player, but he got squeezed like one a little bit. Um, I just don't think there was... Who, who out there was going to give him the term he was looking for at that dollar figure?
0: I I, I don't know who was even because he was probably the best D available at the start of free agency, was he not? I at believe At least, so. yeah, like as a UFA, I should make clear. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think who even who were were seriously interested. It's Dallas, Dallas, who made it clear that they didn't want to give super amounts of term, yep. the Hurricanes maybe, but then they made their move with Brent Burns. Uh, And with the salary retention, he's going to be a cheaper option. And I'm just trying to think, I know Jeff Merrick was talking a lot about Detroit, but they sort of made all their moves. So, yeah, I don't know either who, who looking at them. We're we're gonna do. it. I mean, maybe Philly if they got crazy nigga Tony DiAngelo, because Philadelphia. Uh, but I, I I'm looking here and, the, and and I don't know who would have who would have done it.
1: This this deal and because as I said that I remember when we talked about uh, the Sorelli, the Cernak, and the Sergachev extensions. One God. of our points was, well, you know, the cap's gonna go up in a few years. The difference between those deals and this one is those three players in particular are just about to enter their prime. And those deals are never going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. Never, ever. I don't really, I do not think those deals are ever going to be a problem. Whereas John Klingberg, who's 29, if you give him a seven-year deal, that will take him until 36.
0: He, uh, you see, because he turns 30 next week. Or so. Okay. So he'll be
1: he'll be thirty seven by the end of that deal, and that back half can be a problem. Yes, the salary cap will jump up. That that, but there's a lot of teams who work on an internal cap.
0: He he. The the worst part is is uh, listen. He's not a physical defenseman, so his game won't fall off as much. But he he still signs. He arguably could be and could start declining second year of the deal, maybe third, if you gave him long-term. And it sounds like teams, I think it was mentioned on 32 Thoughts, no one wanted to give him super long-term. I think they were talking about, I think Jeff Merrick was talking about like two or three-year deals are out there. Um, But I don't know. And I I don't know who the sort of UFA defensemen are for next year. I haven't been putting too much attention to that because it's like, why would you, 12 months um, away. But, but we'll, we'll see how, yeah, exactly. So we will see how it shapes up there and where he it goes. It's also weird that it never happened with Seattle because it feels like that was sort of a match made in heaven for how long.
1: That is true. This definitely screams Taylor hall, right? Like he'll,
0: that's a good, yeah, that's a good, he'll, one.
1: it screams Taylor hall literally going to a team that's, probably not going to make the playoffs next year to get traded at the trade deadline and to sign a four-year extension with them.
0: Guess, uh, <laughs> guess how many forwards the, the Seattle Kraken have with AAV's $5 million or more? By uh, six of them. Six. Uh, that's six. Wow. I don't, like, I don't like that. Just a bunch <laughs> of middling players. <laughs> I it's my I hate it. I hate oh, it man. so much. Uh, okay, moving on. Run, I just want to give... Hmm?
1: Oh, I thought we were going to talk about from Anaheim's perspective.
0: Oh God, yeah, yeah, no, you're right, yeah. you're right. Um, okay, so the Ducks, who are bad, uh, who are bad, yeah, they've got some young bad. players coming in. They probably want to shelter. Yeah. I don't think Jamie Drysdale is going to play on the third pair like people are thinking, but you know, like. Oh, a, you don't think so? No, he'll be like. Listen, I think they they put him in a lot of ice time. Listen, if you can shelter him a bit more, yeah, but not third pairing. I've sort of given up on the thing if you play a guy on the third line or bottom pairing because it just feels like. That's what the Habs did for so long. Like, give him real minutes, right? Sure. But it, it just helps that John Klingberg's there. So, listen, if you're the Ducks, listen, if you retain half a salary at the deadline and you trade John Klingberg for $3.5 million to a contender, yep, because that's what's going to happen. Uh, they're going to get a pretty penny for that.
1: So, yeah, they definitely will. And he's not the only guy they'll probably get a uh, pretty penny for. But before that, so John Klingberg has it actually has a modified no trade clause, and it's quite interesting. Uh so he has a no trade clause from the start of the season to January 1st, 2023. Then it turns into a 10-team no trade clause until the end of the season.
0: Okay. We heard. Yeah.
1: yeah. I guess to that he won't be. I don't know. Interesting. But that's that. They also have Kevin Shattenkirk, who's up at the end of the season.
0: I always forget they signed
1: him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, Gosh, since he got since he got traded from St. Louis, it's always kind of like, ah, so that's where Kevin Shattenkirk is now. It's like, oh yeah, he was a Ranger. I just right. what a weird guy. Uh, when the Ducks are, do The Ducks. I wish Daniel was here. Does this not feel like something Bob Murray used to do? By the way, like the Shattenkirk deal, like, like. So I, the Ducks are rebuilding. We know that, but it just kind of feels like here's a random old guy. Like, I look back at the uh the Strom deal, too. Maybe I'm yeah. just being a bit, a bit harsh, but I'm just – was, it was just kind of Anaheim.
1: I, I agree, but what I will say, the difference between the Strom deal, the uh Shankirk deal, is that this is a one-year deal. Yep. Right? With Kirk, it's yep. like you have Shankirk for three years at $3.9 million. You can't trade that after the first season, or you can't trade that at the first deadline. John Klingberg – you can trade that man at the trade deadline and get a decent penny for him because he's a damn good player.
0: Listen, just passing the puck to Trevor Zgrass all year is going to get you some decent points too.
1: Literally. Literally.
0: Well help. It's also just we mentioned the right-handedness. It just it's spooky to me. And it really speaks to the, the state of the salary cap that a right-handed defenseman couldn't get paid like that of his caliber. But Eric and Branson did. I just don't get that. Yeah. That's uh, that's something about this league that I don't understand.
1: Well, uh, you need to bring Johnny Goudreau's best friend, you know? <laughs>
0: I mean, hey, I would do it if I got Johnny Goudreau.
1: Yeah, as, I, would, I. as would I. As 100%. would I. I would take that pain.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to mention Bobby Ryan, just yes. because I wanted to put out a thought for him. And, uh, you know, I think people saw what happened. And if not, you can go look at it. I don't want to bring attention to that. More than I want to bring attention to the fact that, Ah, uh, he owned what happened, and the next day was very positive on Twitter and saying, "This is my new day one." Um, I know people sort of have sort of talked about what is the sort of the NHL assistance like player program. What's the follow up for? What happens after the player? Because I completely forgot that Bobby Ryan didn't play last year. Uh and you know, he didn't C- play was, last year. He didn't play last year. No, he obviously played the season before in Detroit. Uh, Oh, he was just—he
1: wasn't signed.
0: Just yeah, he was just okay. Didn't even—he didn't go anywhere to play. He was just sort of pop. He disappeared. Uh, So I just like—he was—he was was being very positive. He was responding to people. You know, relapses happen, and I just wanted to say that you know people support Bobby Ryan, and uh, I'm rooting for the guy. I really am yep, because same. if you, if people, if you don't know, Bobby Ryan's life story is, uh, it, it, it feels like a, like a novel sometimes it it feels like a, a story that someone wrote, um, a lot of ups and downs in there. And he's just a guy that I think a lot of people root for. And I'm, I think we're all on that list as well. For sure. Um, I'm sure Daniel has something great to say about his time as a duck, but, uh, like seriously, just, just a, a thought for Bobby Ryan is all I wanted to mention quickly. Uh, um, this is something that, that that I don't get this, Alex. You need to explain this. The 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 LA Kings will be building a statue for a former king. Yeah. A great Wayne Gretzky has a statue there outside the staple, or oh, the crypto arena, because it's not the staple center anymore. What is it? It, it? Of 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 hockey players, statues there include Wayne Gretzky and Luke Robotai, by the way. Um, Not Marcel Dion, which weird, Uh, but joining them statues there with Kobe Bryant, Jerry West, Wayne Gretzky will be Dustin Brown. Yeah, the captain of their two Stanley Cup championship teams, Um, the power forward. I I don't get it. I do do you know what, you know do, what Dustin like, Brown has? Do
1: you know what Dustin Brown has that the two other hockey players don't have? Cups with the the cups with the Kings. Two Stanley Cups with the Los Angeles Kings.
0: With the Kings, the yeah. We're not we're not saying that Gretzky didn't win a cup. We know that with the Kings. With,
1: with the, the Kings. Kings.
0: To be fair, I think every sports, every rink in California should have Wayne Gretzky's statue outside of it. I think I think he he's earned that. He's earned in
1: California all of California. Yeah. There should be one in front of the Arizona. Uh, there should be one in front of the Arizona Arena in Tampa, in Florida, just all of the southern U.S.
0: You think the Arizona one should just be the statues, his reaction to Alexander's and Alexander Ovechkin's famous falling goal? Yeah. yeah well, he's yeah. like, I tried to hide behind a piece of paper. He's like, that was awesome. He's uh, uh,
1: not you know St.
0: Louis. He can't be outside St. Louis. We don't talk about that.
1: Okay, fine. Um, no, I, like, Listen, if people in in LA are not upset about it, I'm not upset about it. It's just like I can't I can't get myself to be upset about it. Um I think the relationship I think he has with LA with Kings fans clearly is strong enough and also he was I have to check but he definitely is up there in terms of career with the Kings uh in terms of goals i think one of them points definitely games played uh definitely games played because he has 1200 games played and they're all are almost 13 he's four games away from 1300
0: that's oh that's a little annoying isn't it uh yeah. so goals i'm just trying to find goals he's uh i'm trying to find dustin brown goals he's sixth Yeah, uh, yeah games played he's nearly like the only one be like around him right now is Anze Kopitar. Active players, assists, he's top 10. Uh points. points. No, I don't want to I don't want to look up Marcel Dion's total. I want to look at the, the total. Uh points, he's top 10. He's seventh. Uh Penley minutes. He's not even top 10. Wow. Well, because Martin was a king, obviously. But.
1: Yeah. And he's played 92 playoff games.
0: It's just to me. You know, maybe I I look at it a little differently because outside outside the the Bell Center are statues of like Howie Merez, Guy Lafleur, Maurice Richard, and I'm forgetting and and Jean Beliveau. Maybe it's just my idea of the statue is different. It's just I was and I was talking to Will about this, and I don't know if Will was egging me on, but he was making like the championship thing. But like, how the hell does Marcel Dion not? Because Robitaille would have won with Detroit, so why does Robitaille have a statue and not Marcel Dion? I don't. I, maybe I'm. I don't know something in the history of Marcel Dion and LA. But I just—it's just Dustin Brown's kind of weird. Is Kopitar going to get one then? ki quick.
1: Nope.
0: You don't he think Ante cat, Kopitar yeah. gets one?
1: Okay, maybe Ante Kopitar.
0: Yeah, not Drew Dowdy, though. Mm. Lifetime King, those two are the only Norris ones. Trophy. I, I don't
1: think Jonathan Quick,
0: yeah. That's uh, does uh, do, do you think Chris Kunitz ever gets a statue outside Pittsburgh? Outside the S, no, it's not SP. What's their arena called again? Uh, SP is like San Jose. Uh, PPG Paints is that Pittsburgh?
1: That's Pittsburgh. I'm just yeah. not gonna answer your question. Chris
0: Kunitz gets it. I'm just wait. he'll be, he'll be a, a Hall of Famer it. eventually. Watch right with Kevin Lowe. Dustin Brown gets a statue. I don't know. I I wouldn't do it, but I'm not gonna. It's not gonna ruin my day. I'm not like Kings fan. I mean, they shouldn't. They shouldn't have won in 2014, but you know, just Chris Grider sort of stopped that. But it's just me. Uh, also, Patrick Marlowe's number will be retired by the uh, San Jose Sharks next year. Uh, did we talk about on the show if he's a Hall of Famer?
1: I believe so. We did. I think. I think we all agreed that he is. I don't yeah. Remember. Is he first ballot though? Probably not.
0: I think we had that discussion, too. Like, 500-plus goals. Uh, obviously, most games played. I don't know if he has an MVP. I don't think he has an MVP. I, I don't think, think he does. I, I, I'm going to double-check.
1: I'm going to double-check, but I don't think he has... Um, he has no individual awards.
0: Oh, that's tough. He. Uh, I don't he's think definitely he, going
1: to make it. Yeah, he, he shouldn't
0: is. be outside for too long. But, like, I think he's ahead of... Ryan Getzlaf, for example, you know what I mean. I think though, I think he he's above him in the pecking order. Probably
1: he, he and I, and I guess we still don't know about Joe Thornton. But what I think would be really really cool is if they retired Patrick Marleau and Joe Thornton's number on the on the same night.
0: So wh- where what opponents are they facing for those nights? Would you say?
1: Like where uh, you, I don't know who Patrick. See, yeah Marle I didn't even.
0: I just Patrick. realized. Yeah, we could have. We could have looked at Patrick Marlowe Let me
1: let me go double check. Uh, in February, did they pick a day?
0: I feel like they did. Hold on, Patrick Marlowe Because I wonder. Because I just realized
1: they were both Leafs. So oh, February twenty fourth, February twenty fifth. Let me find. Have they released the ske- schedule? Yes, they have.
0: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, I, I wanted to type in the schedule. I want to type in Patrick Marlowe and I only put Patrick and the first name came up was Patrick.
1: It's interestingly enough, it is against the Chicago Blackhawks.
0: Really? Yeah. Uh, Why? Because wasn't the Longos a Vancouver, Florida game? I'm trying to think like it should be I think it should be a special sort of team like i don't think you're gonna do it against pittsburgh well obviously we know now who it's against but like i would do it against toronto because that was a sort of team that i think he meant a lot to Patrick Uh, marlowe yes obviously nowhere near the extent of the san jose sharks but i think it would be cool to have austin matthews and mitch marner around for it
1: yeah Um, I'm, i'm sure if they're not playing they'll be there
0: yeah yeah you'd hope so because he's basically uh, I, like their other kids.
1: I'd have to double check the leave
0: schedule. But yeah, like same check. with I don't know if what you would do for Joe Thornton, Boston, Boston. <laughs> that'd be pretty funny.
1: Maybe, maybe.
0: Yeah, I, I think you do Boston. I think, I think Boston would be pretty funny. And then it's Florida. And they 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 bring uh, the owner of the strip club they went to, uh, allegedly, allegedly. But hey, congrats to Patrick Marlow. Um, I don't know off the top of my head if he's the old, the first, I would imagine maybe Doug Wilson has his number retired. No,
1: there. I believe he's the first number retired.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah. Good for him. Good I good think him. they were that's talking the about, about it
1: on SDP and they had the same, they were trying to figure out the same thing. And I believe oh, they okay. concluded he is the first number to be retired.
0: That's a good number. That's a, that's a good player to do it. That's yeah. a good player. To oh, have yeah. He was good, man. He was a really good player. It's just uh there's more and more guys are retiring that just never got a chip, and it's such a shame. And he's a Brit, like you know I, I'm I'm happy Brayden Hopey got his, and I think we're just kind of waiting for that to be official, really. Um, but yeah, uh, we talked about for just I think we can quickly do a little thing to do with hockey Canada. I think before we talk about the Habs and sort of the looking at the rest of the UFA's. Sure, Alex, are you having trouble keeping up with everything to do with hockey Canada? Because I am.
1: Yeah, because there's so much.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm just trying to think in the last week we had the statement from the women's national team who were very vocal about wanting to really be involved to see what the truth is here, what's going on. Um, Obviously they, they, in their statement, put out something about, you know, made sure to mention, you know, maybe don't take away funding because of what it's doing to the games. Uh, I personally don't think you needed to have it in that same statement. I won't lie. That's just my opinion though. I thought, it took a little bit away from their first part of the statement. That's just me, though. We've had Sheldon Kennedy, and we know the role he's had and you know, his stuff with the consent programs, basically calling for the removal of Scott Smith and others from running Hockey Canada. In these new things of hearings with uh, with the government, the same thing's been said. And it seems to be that the Hockey Canada personnel are basically saying, we want to be involved here. We don't see why we should be gone um, more details we'll get to in a second, including some stuff about past settlements that Hockey Canada ha- has had. But uh, we've talked about the idea of Hockey Canada maybe rebranding or existing in a different form in the future. I don't know how any of those guys can be around by the end of this. I don't know who has the authority to pressure them out, but I don't see, first off, how you can have the sort of frame of mind think I should still be here. But uh, yeah, cool. I,
1: I, I'm, I'm very intru- I, very interested. And, you know, I want to understand why they think they should still be around. Because, they, okay, so there's the new CEO, I believe, coming in, which is Scott Smith. He's been around Hockey Canada for over 20 years. Not in the same role, but he's been up there for many, many, many years. What what have you done? Great. You have a plan. Cool. I'm sure there's been lots of plans. Why are you now the one that should be able to implement it? Mm -hmm. Because you said so? Because you've given us, and by us, I mean the public, no indication that you're gonna do a good job because it's been like this for quite some time. So what is it?
0: So um, I, I want to say that they've been using the former National Equity Fund. I think Rick West had said going back to 1989 at least, and around it was what it was. It was around 6.8 million dollars that was to the Graham James stuff. And that, of course, was was the coach who abused Sheldon Kennedy. Um, so you talk about guys being—I don't know if he was around in '89, but he has been part and in the culture. And again, there were—I think they've talked about at least twelve different claims, and this is also from Rick Westhead that have sort of been around. And I think, I think it's Hockey Canada says there have been twelve uninsured abuse claims settled worth a collective one point three million dollars. Um, one perpetrator Was connected to four of those claims Uh, and so First off, by the way, okay, one abuse Claim, okay, all right, Okay, gives you enough Sort of situation, maybe you should watch That individual, second time If there was any sort of You would think with certain situations In life, you don't deserve a second chance Sort of sexual violence is probably One of them A second settlement Okay, I Yeah, I don't know how you give someone a second chance after sort of that. Three is just I don't know how you don't blacklist. Four. In what world after that comes out? Over a million dollars, four incidents with one perpetrator. When that comes out, Alex, that's when I'm definitely like everyone involved. Scorchers. When that deal comes out, how do you with a straight face think I should still be involved in this? Uh, that's what gets me. It's just like four. And I, I believe Jeff Merrick had the name of exactly who the perpetrator was. He was an Ottawa coach. I don't know, like Sens, but or it was like an Ottawa-based coach. I'm going to try and find it because people were like, who the hell is this person? Um like yeah, it's like, like, you you want this job? You let someone get away with this four times. Four.
1: You try, yeah, you try find it because I got some things mm-hmm. I'd say to get off my chest. I, I would be the best way to put it. Um, to me, and I think we we talked about I I, I talked about this last episode where I think we're very much. We're extremely focused on each on the individual cases, which we should be, but we need to talk more about the the fact that there has been a lack of accountability for years and years to come. This isn't about changing hockey culture. This idea that the lazy, the I think that's the extremely lazy argument. First off, to say you can't change hockey culture like this isn't hockey culture. This is committing a crime. That's. So if, unless you're telling me that hockey culture is committing crimes, then like, is that the conversation we're going to have? Cause I don't think that's the conversation people. That's not the conversation people want to have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about holding people accountable. Why is it that when it comes to the Olympics, when it comes to the world juniors, when it comes to the world championships, Oh, it's such a prestigious thing to wear your country's jersey. So, okay. So you want the best people in there. You want to hold people accountable. If it means something, I'm not going to get Joe Schmo on the street to wear that jersey. If it's so damn prestigious. It's about holding people accountable for committing a crime. Never forget, they're playing a game. We're talking about them playing a game that doesn't change anything. They committed a crime. Did they or did they not commit a crime? It's so simple. It's so it, it it really comes down to did they or did they not commit a crime? Did they commit a crime? If the answer is yes, hold them accountable. Why why is that the hardest thing to understand here? Make it it needs to be transparent because clearly we can't not be transparent because when we're not transparent we don't hold people accountable that's not just in sports that's in life that's in every every section of life politics at its finest funny enough this is funded by partially funded by politicians we need to hold people accountable For, how do you get away with how do you do it four times and still have the opportunity to put on that jersey. I'd be ashamed.
0: I uh, I can't find it on. Uh, I'm going to just try and look up like Jeff Merrick on Twitter and see if somebody. Uh, I know there are some Twitter accounts like, uh, I think it's like NHL Watcher or someone who normally transcribes them. And I'm going to try and find it. But that's I, fine. I, for the love of God, it, it's bothering no, me. Yeah, that's fine. And uh, if not, by the way, listen to 32 Thoughts, the newest ep- episode, and it's the last segment. Normally, they put in timestamps on that, oh, and you should be able to find it. But uh, yeah, yeah.
1: It, 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 we need to do a better job at holding people accountable. This idea that why we can't hold people accountable. I don't like it did. <laughs> it's just it's extremely frustrating having to read this stuff and then have to deal with. Well, I mean, it's hockey culture. Okay, so you're now telling me that hockey culture is commit is part of hockey culture is committing a crime? Is this what we're having the discussion now? Is this the discussion we're actually having? Because if it is, that's ridiculous. That's the most ridiculous thing I've probably ever heard. Genuinely, mm-hmm. how does that make how does that make sense? How is it that that's part of hockey culture, but there's a lack of accountability? So because it's part of the culture, that means we can't hold people accountable. Well then, damn, we got some real rough things that are about to happen in our world because we're just going to, it's, it's not going to be fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. I did. I know at one point I looked up the guy, but uh, I, I just, my search history is just full of a lot of like of, of Elden ring and YouTube stuff. So I can't quite uh, pin it down. But again, people listen to 32. The guy, I know people, Really wanted to know who the hell is this one? Who is this person? Like it's just simple, simple stuff. Um, I, I just—I
1: I bet they already know because I assume if they listen to this. They listen to Thirty Two
0: Thoughts. That's a very, <laughs> very good point, actually. Um, again, I think when it comes to the two thousand three incident, we're still waiting on details. The Daryl Kate stuff, which isn't related to hockey Canada, but is a pretty, pretty important story. We're still waiting on that as well. Um, am I forgetting anything, Alex? I don't think I am.
1: No, can I ask? And they brought it up on SDP, and I think that's a really interesting point. Where's Bob Nicholson?
0: Yeah, uh, that's a very good story. I, yeah, that's a very, very good uh question because yeah, he, he, and we've talked about this, is very influential, and I wouldn't be surprised if like the Ken Holland connection he had in the past. You know, it it goes back to Hockey Canada. We've used the term boys club before. Um, So like he definitely knows what's been going on. Bob Nicholson, obviously, because he ran Hockey Canada for ages. Um, But that's a very good point. It's a very good question. And I would like the answer to that, too. Um, He should be questioned. I don't know if he's been summoned because there wasn't everything of subpoenas were going to start being sent out. Um, But he's got to be one of the names or one of the summons there, I'd imagine. He's, that's that's too big a name to miss That's too big a name. Um. Uh. Anything else though? Anything else? No. No. All right. Me. Um. Shout out to again all the normal reporters who are doing such a good job with this. Uh, Katie Stern, Re- request Ted, Dan Robson, uh, Emily Emily Sadler. Uh, I'm not mentioning everyone. But Ian,
1: Ian Mendez.
0: Ian Mendez. Yes, they're all doing a a bang up job with this bang up job. Uh. Before we look at the remaining UFAs. Um, the Leafs lose a member of their organization to the Montreal Canadiens.
1: Wait, was he with the Leafs?
0: So apparently, so this is what I saw. So (sighs) Stefan Robita apparently uh, between 2015 and 2021 uh, was assistant director of player development um with the leafs or in huh. sort of the department uh, that's uh, which I thought was interesting yeah so Stephon robida yeah i, I yeah <laughs> um, um Steph, he as quiet as he was in the front office as he was as a Toronto maple leaf as a player um Stefan robida from uh, robida island to the island of montreal and former montreal canadian himself Stephon robida is the new assistant coach replacing luke Richardson. apparently he was coaching midget and no. now he, so he fits right in with the, the, the Habs new strategy of hiring. <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't say that of just of, hiring, of bringing uh, in experience and bringing in minor, coaches. minor league yeah. hockey yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Is he running uh, their defense?
0: I would, they haven't really PK? officially, officially, but I would assume so. Yes. And, no, it seems, I think you
1: should run their power play.
0: I mean, I mean, Alex Burroughs, I mean, <laughs> do something new. Just pass it to Caulfield and we're good. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second, won't we, Mr. Dom Ducharme? Um, but yeah, Stefan Robida, apparently there's a lot of influence with him with, with learning and sort of uh, teaching in that. I saw this thing of apparently guys are going to gravitate to him because he's like like sponges. Uh, I guess that's the kind of guy they need. I mean, listen, I didn't watch Stefan a ab a little long ago. Um, I, see, I saw this really funny too. It was like the average age of the Habs uh, coaching staff is probably younger than the Pittsburgh Penguins right now.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, um, but he wasn't the higher I was expecting. Uh, no. I was thinking maybe like they were going to go like Dan Boyle or something, but I did not expect Stefan Robida from Sherbrooke. He's French. Uh,
1: I got to watch 52 games of Stefan Robita actually, yep. and then and- he disappeared.
0: Yeah. And then he legit just, just disappeared. Um, but listen, I mean, if Marty St. Louis thinks he's listen, as long as it's, it's a guy who can teach those young guys, I think you're fine. Uh, it's just weird that they're going with such an inexperienced bench. It's refreshing that it's not some guy who was probably been fired two or three times and needs a job.
1: Is Michelle, uh, Michelle Michel uh, out of a job or is he God still to
0: help that? me all that coming up again? I really, like, those were dark days, man. I've never been so upset with the Habs winning divisions as I was in the Terrian days, because he was just such a fraud. He was such a bad like. And Patrick bringing up those old clips, I loved that series, 24CH. I watched, I've watched some of those clips a ton of times before. Um, and some of those Terry and that specific clip with PK, I remember so vividly. So when he brought it, before I even watched the video, I saw him with the clip and I was like, there it is. And a big thing with Dot too, is apparently that he's a communicator. So, good. Cool. Stefan Dot. I didn't even know he was French until he got hired.
1: Oh, really? I thought,
0: no, I didn't. I thought he was, like, Finnish. Oh,
1: my God. No, no.
0: I don't. I don't he was a leaf. I was kind of like, ah. The only thing I knew about Stefan Dot was Dot Island. Island for the longest time. Yeah. I didn't know he had led this, like, super long career because it was <laughs> Stephon Dot. He was a meme for years. Now he's an assistant coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Just a little shocking. Another new coach. But let's talk about an old one, Alex. Oh, my God. Uh, So, Dominique Ducharme, the former head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Remember that? It was a long time. It wasn't even that long ago. Less than a year ago. Uh, Dominique Ducharme uh, spoke to the Athletic, specifically in a great little piece from Marc-Antoine Gaudin. Basically sort of, uh, saying he wasn't told the plan by Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes to lose as many games as possible and to play the young players as Dom Ducharme put it here. Um, it's a very interesting article. There is a bit of sympathy for him at the end because it talks about some of the stuff with his daughter and, and that, which, which I think you should, should definitely read. Um, uh, stuff about Cole Caulfield and that But I just want to read a little bit here Alex From this article and we Man can... I
1: got like three paragraphs So yeah we got so, some stuff to talk about
0: Quote the fact he hooked on <laughs> The fact he was hooked on Cedric Paquette For so long for example Or that he decided one day That it would be better to play Jake Evans at right wing on the first line So that Jonathan Drouin could play at center For the first time in years <laughs> I just <sighs> Alex, I was reading this article and I had flashbacks throughout the whole of the year, right? Like this next part. On December 14th, 2021 in Pittsburgh for example, the infamous night when Jeff Petrie openly questioned the Canadians lack of structure. Ducharme said after yet another loss that goaltender Jake Allen was playing too often. It's a strange comment coming from a head coach who has full control of which goal he plays on, on any given night. But Allen was the best goalie available, the one who gave the team the best chance to win, and Ducharme was sticking to the hope that Allen would help him pick up some points in the standings here and there. Indefensible, perhaps, but we have a better understanding today of why the Canadians former head coach uh, decided to cling to that help. In his first one-on-one interview since being fired by the Canadians last February, Ducharme said he never had a discussion with Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes regarding how he should process and managing the season after a catastrophic start. The two new heads of the organization never sent that message, and Ducharme says he didn't feel he had the authority to decide on his own uh, on his own that winning games was no longer important. So, before we keep going, so if you never had a meeting. And you didn't know the direction they wanted. How did you not have the authority to make decisions? Because then would they not have told you, you can and can't do? You only know I mean, doesn't that not make sense?
1: Also, why don't you ask? If you also, let's start with, you started what? With, with one of the worst records in Montreal Canadiens history.
0: He had eight wins. Eight, eight wins. In half the year.
1: How is that acceptable? See? How, how is that? Oh, sorry. I got so angry reading this article mm-hmm. because I'm like, what are you taught? Like, and listen, I, I don't want to, I'm not crapping on the fact that he's, that this article is out. I think articles like this articles, like the Jonathan Taze one uh, that came out last week. I think that's what we need. That's how we have conversations. Oh yeah. But I just don't understand. Number one, why didn't you just ask? Why didn't you have a meeting? Why didn't you say, hey, what's the plan here? Because he makes a point. If he didn't have a meeting, he doesn't know the direction. That's fine. But you're an NHL head coach.
0: A Ask. A coach's thing is, here, here's the problem, too, is, listen, it's not, he makes a sort of distinction between playing the young players and trying to win. He separates these two different things, right? When why were the Canadians winning games under Marty Saint Louis Alex? Why why would you say?
1: Because he was utilizing his players properly.
0: So those young players will make a distinction here. You could probably say are Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki, probably. Yes. Okay, listen. So let's say like Nick Suzuki obviously was still being used a ton. Let's just say that you know he would, but he had a lot more sort of Two-way responsibility like you know Christian Dvorak under Murray St. Louis I think took A lot more of the defensive responsibility away Cole Caulfield's the big one Right when Caulfield Who as this article reminds me And I had forgotten about this Bill Zeal, Alex Zeal, Was getting more ice time than Cole Caulfield At points mm-hmm. I remember him playing great games And getting less than 50 minutes of ice time I think there was a game where, where Ryan Paling had a pair of goals and played 11 minutes Right It isn't just about losing games and playing young players because what he's doing there is technically contradicting himself later because he sort of then says or insinuates that's what the Canadians did for the rest of the year, right? They didn't. Now, let's point out there that Marty St. Louis had more wins, right? And he played those quote-unquote young players who were overall the best players on the team. You can't tell me that Alex Bailziel is a more impact player at the NHL than Cole Caulfield is.
1: Can I read the rest of that oh,
0: No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No,
1: I was just, can I? Because I actually, that was one of the paragraphs i wanted to read because Go i just did i didn't understand the point that was trying to be made here so mm-hmm. the fact that this is the paragraph from uh was it marc antoine godin right yes. the fact that alex belzio was given more ice time than cole caulfield in an nhl game is another way to look at how ducharme navigated the waters on the one hand you have an AHL veteran who works extremely hard on the other you have an nhl rookie who looks completely disoriented That decision could help the Canadians on a given night, but in a bigger picture perspective, if the priority was to develop Caulfield properly, more so than winning games in a lost season, the context for making those decisions should have been different. What does Mm -hmm. that mean? uh, Playing Cole Caulfield is much better than Alex Belziel. Fact? Yeah, Fact. He was
0: When he was in college, Fact. he was better than Alex Bell Right.
1: So what's the, so because Alex Belzeel is going to work harder, you're going to play him more. This is, that's how we got in the situation in this first place.
0: That that's how, like a, why
1: is Cedric, you're right. Why was Cedric Piquet? Why was he glued to Cedric Paquette? Maybe he worked harder than Jake Evans. Maybe. I don't know. But like, also this idea that losing with young guys is like this like it's making out to seem like that was the only solution to this is blatantly wrong and and there's proof over years cough cough buffalo cough cough edmonton before like before mcdavid and dryside were beasts that that's not that's stunts development
0: Here's sort of the stuff that you got to think of, right? If you were trying to win games, right? Explain this to me. What was something I was screaming about most of the first half of the season? Oh, I was a few things, but I'm just wondering if if you're gonna get where I'm going with this. What was one of the biggest problems with the Canadians when it came to offensive strategies? Do you remember? I Mainly don't. Mainly to do with the power play. To jog your memory.
1: Uh was it Jeff Petrie just shooting or or not going to Caulfield, I don't remember. There was a lot, lots of them. Where do you want to start?
0: So first off, <laughs> the lack of Caulfield on regular power play time, to be honest, like overall. Remember, there were times, that I remember that famous game that I was at against Colorado when the jersey was thrown off the ice, right? Yeah. Um, That was the game where there was a five on three and Caulfield wasn't used.
1: Yes, I remember that.
0: <laughs> That's the type. That, that is in a, a kid with that shot. You talk about if he didn't have confidence, that's on the coach, by the way, not being able to get the best out of his players. That weapon wasn't being used at the best advantage. Jeff Petrie, who was on the power play, it took him a while even under Marty St. Louis to get that chance back, but he was on that few first. And could you say you know, Alex Burrows runs the power play? Yes, but as a head coach, you should be the one to eventually step in and say, guys, this isn't working. Not to mention just how anemic special teams were the whole of, you know, the first half of the year and a little bit overall, to be honest, until Caulfield started getting going on the power play special. But you're telling me that was the best chance he had to win? Was keeping like keeping Petrie up there, having Joss Anderson at points being in that sort of circle where Caulfield was at one point and instead having him like Anderson download the fight for puck battles you had Caulfield down there. The usage overall of a lot of players was was stunning. Here's something I just remembered Alex. You're not gonna believe this when when we look back at the playoffs. At one point during the year, do you know who was scratched for the Montreal Canadiens?
1: Was wasn't Cole Caulfield scratched?
0: Oh yeah, he I think I, I don't even remember if he specifically was but but um, Archie yes spent time scratched. Archery it who, like, let's not forget back-to-back years, like, conference final winning goals, had the Stanley Cup winning goal, Was spent time on the first power play unit for Colorado, time on the top line there, that guy who fetched them Justin Barron in a second. I'll remind everyone, that guy was scratched under Dom Ducharme because he wasn't producing at points. It's like, ah, oh, his defensive game is great, so you give more benefits to other players over a Achiri Lekkinen? Those were some of the plays that Mr. Dom Ducharme pulled off here. And listen, he talks a lot about Caulfield in this and sort of like the, the slump and all that. But man, you weren't playing him. What benefit does a player like Caulfield with that skill set get in the fourth line? If it doesn't fit your style, then man, fix your style because you saw what he did in the playoffs. And if you couldn't replicate that, that that's on you. You are responsible for that. You are the teacher here. There is no excuse that he can succeed the way he did under Marty St. Louis. And then over. It just doesn't make sense to me. That's completely on you.
1: Can, yeah. Can, can we also talk about what he said? Like the, the things he talked about when he, we, they got into Martin St. Louis and that change.
0: Go ahead. Do you
1: have a? Do you want to? Read I it? have a quote here. Yes, please, please. That please. I that to me, there's two in particular, but let's talk about this one first. That it was just mind-boggling reading this. Like, what does this mean? So mm-hmm. the quote is: "We're always seen as the team that went to the Stanley Cup final and that couldn't win." <laughs> first off, that's not true. That's not true. I, I'm not, I don't want to bash Montreal, but let's go back to that season. The fate of them being in the playoffs wasn't up to them. At the end of the season, the Calgary Flames had to win games to get into the playoffs. They didn't. They were no offense to Montreal. They were not a team that made it to the Stanley cup final. And we were all like, wow, they couldn't win. They, we were like, holy crap. They made it to the Stanley cup finals. That mm-hmm. was literally what we were talking about on this podcast. Uh-huh. Not, oh man, I can't believe Montreal didn't win. That's what we're talking about right now with Tampa Bay is that they made it to the Stanley cup final for a third year in a row and couldn't win. Mm-hmm. That's not what this was, Dom. And then the, he goes. The coaching change sent a message to the fans, oh, this is and the player, part. and the players that quote were rebuilding. We're going to put our faith in the young players. The result was no longer in part important. Martin, Martin or yeah, Martin cannot could talk about moral victories. Me, if I talked about moral victories, I would get ripped. Yeah, because you weren't using the players properly, Dom. Like my God,
0: like can we just talk about also that's wrong. You think anyone in the back half of the season in Montreal was happy they were winning games? Do you remember the fan base after they beat the Rangers in like their second last game? They wanted to kill Jeff Petrie and Mike Hoffman. The moral victories of Caulfield playing well were the only things the fan base had left because he didn't win a game for the first two weeks. They lost the season in two weeks under him. No one gave a crap about wins after that, Dom. What if you talked about Rick Dom? You never even said anything to the media. Remember when he was more about, I don't want to give any YouTube clips? What are you talking about there? You didn't say anything. You didn't give any sort of like projection to the media of, like, yeah, this is what we're doing. This is the thing. We want to do this, this. It's a process. Marty St. we could explain his actions when you couldn't do anything.
1: It was the exactly, it was the lack of explanation for the moves that you made that to the public. To the public made zero sense that's what the when martin st louis made a decision he was able to explain it he was willing to explain it there was none of that can i get and and i think that's a great point to get me to my next quote because this it, it was just this one was immense to me that this was said out loud Uh, St. Louis arrived behind the Canadians bench, was praised for his communication skills, his innovative ideas, his excellent reputation around the league, and he immediately became the flavor of the month. Quote, they were saying the same things about me last year, Ducharme said. Things change fast in hockey, positively or negatively. I parked my car at the Bell Centre before a trip to Ottawa and Winnipeg. And when I came back to get it, I was the head coach of the Canadians. Five months later, we were in the Stanley Cup final. And six months after that, we went through a perfect storm. It changes fast. Adam, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Who was calling Dom Ducharme uh, who was praising Dom Ducharme for his communication skills, his innovative ideas, because I remember when we got to the end of that uh, shortened season, the uh, the Canadian division season, that he was about the same record as Claude Julien, who had gotten fired.
0: So I, I, I think he means when he was first hired, which I, I remember saying what was said about him was that he was a little outside the box. Now... <laughs> Now, which is, okay, at, at first, There, I drank the Kool-Aid, too, as Patrick said. We all did. Now, the difference there is if you compare Dom Ducharme and Marty St. Louis, let's ignore the exact record. Okay, there were more wins, but the Canadians obviously still finished last. Yeah, let's, let's be there. The results and the way they were playing and the confidence and the quotes coming out of the room and all that, you know, This is all I think you need to sort of talk about the idea of being a good communicator, Alex, right? And just sort of how full of crap that is. Or what Dom Ducharme is saying, right? Is look at the speech Marty St. Louis gave at the draft and the quotes coming about about how the Canadians held their private combine and the the things being said about Marty St. Louis, the stuff coming about when he first got to the, the team and they're having fun and all this great stuff. No one ever said that about Dom Ducharme. You know what I mean? That's where I think he's being very selective there, because there is evidence to show what Marty St. Louis has done so far and the positivity. And and when meanwhile, it was just hey, Jeff Petrie thinks we're a complete mess. Oh, the only thing that we really heard was ah we've dealt with it internally and nothing changed. So I I just think he's so full of crap there. It it just there, there is one plus one doesn't equal two there, Dom. You're just so that's a delusional statement there. There's that's just completely ignoring and, and taking away a lot of the context, unless he's just trying to do the thing of, let's see how Marty's going to do with the end of this year. And what people say about him, like that's completely different, but what he's seeing there, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I think, it, I think that's totally bull crap to throughout there.
1: When I watch Montreal play during that uh, portion uh, pass from Claude Julien's firing to the Stanley cup final. And when I look at his start of last season. I look at a team that this looks extremely different than what it was under Martin St. Louis. They looked excited to be there. They looked, they didn't look dejected under Dom Ducharme. Just after Claude Julien, did they not, they played the exact same way. They looked the exact same as they did under Claude Julien when they came back from that summer. And I understand I understand the injuries, the covid. I'm not denying that. I'm not denying that. But you cannot tell me that there the the difference between Dom Duchar uh, the players under Dom Ducharme and the players under Martin Saint-Louis They're so different in every effect in the way they play in the way they talk in the way they, their body language, it's everything looks, they look so much happier. Mm -hmm. The moral victories this year for the Montreal Canadians, at least when I watched them play under Martin St. Louis, I came out saying, wow, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy is going to be a hell of a player now. And they're going to be a hell of a player in the future. Like, but under Dom charm I wasn't, I, I. it's not because I didn't like Dom Ducharme. I don't like the Montreal Canadiens, if you haven't noticed. You're least- I have no, I have no, I have no empathy or sympathy for Dom Ducharme or Martin St. Louis or anybody in that organization, frankly. Uh-huh. Like I have, I'm looking at it from an outside perspective and saying there is a massive difference between what they looked like under Dom Ducharme and Martin St. Louis. But for the most part, the players were the same, especially this season.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, there is this one more snippet I wanted to mention. <laughs> Let's about. do it. Uh, the fact he was kept in the dark by new management led Dom Ducharme to deduce that his days coaching the Canadians were numbered. I think, quote, a quote. I think when Mark Bergerman was gone, he said uh, the decision was already made. Which I think we all kind of thought, yeah, he's going to be gone by the end of the season. Did he pull Alex,
1: that from Mike Babcock?
0: I'll, I'll also remind, I'll also remind you, Alex. Uh, remember how they didn't fire Dom Ducharme right away? Yes, and they kept him for a couple months afterwards. So yeah. uh, that's not right, Dom. The, you were, I thought they were going to get rid of him right away. Like I thought he was doing permanent damage. By the way, another thing. Do you remember when the Canadians had like, they had the back-to-back games or whatever, and there was a game against the Ottawa Senators and the other one was against the Leafs. And he started Caden Primo against the Leafs instead of the Sens. When his like, yes, first win, I re- his first win was against the Sens, not to mention you just look at the state the Sens were in last year compared to the Leafs. And he put Primo against the Leafs. How is that the best option? I'm assuming Allen was probably hurt. So it was probably him or Martin Bow, but start Martin Bo, damn it. I don't care if he had to call up um was he pulled, was Primo McName. pulled that game for McNiven? But it's still like like why against the Leafs? What uh, were you no, thinking? Matthew no, scored 60.
1: When 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 Primo started his first game against Colorado, was that under Claude Julian?
0: I believe so, yes. Okay, okay. He played well that game.
1: Yeah, but yeah, he did, he did, lost, he did. It, it was, was just, it's the Colorado Avalanche yeah, like, You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. yeah
0: So it was, but yeah, that was, yeah, it was against the abs Yeah And it was, it wasn't like the bad abs, they were on the way up That was like the start of everything for Colorado And it was like, here we go, and then Yeah, he lost <laughs> But, um, yeah, and then remember then, but his first one was against Like the Sens, uh, like, I think Like the next year or something mm-hmm. I remember, because Brady Kachuk took the puck and Carey Price Was like, yeah, you give that to me now uh, Love it Love it. Um, but it just what a mess! What a complete mess. Uh, but hey, he's he's at home cashing his million dollar checks every every year. He's 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 getting paid. I think it's like a million and a half. Good for him. Okay, let's look at the remaining UFAs before we go. Okay. Um, and then we can sort of just I don't know can, like thing where they, they might be going. PK Suvan, sure. uh, apparently uh, his I think it's Don Mian. Wait, 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 wait! I don't want to get him mixed up by the real life guy because there's a real like. I think I, I think Don Meehan's actually like the dude who was like a, like a f- complete fraud or something. Don Meehan. No, no, it is Don Meehan. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Who are you thinking? Of? Uh, his there's this other dude. Um, it's a Netflix show based on like this real life dude. It's something. His name's something Meehan. Oh. And uh, he, he, uh it's it's a whole thing. He's like this big scammer and like just a. It's a whole thing. Uh, but no, oh. it's Don Meehan's agent sort of said alluded to the point that maybe he was waiting on teams to sort of make moves. Uh, Apparently the Canadians are not one of the teams interested. So that's a shame. Um, But uh, where do you see PK ending up? Hmm.
1: That's a, that's an interesting question. Like is it
0: it sort of insinuate that, that PK sort of uh, has earned the right to be more selective. So I take that as he wants to go to a contender.
1: Sure, I guess, I guess I okay. This is it would be absolutely ridiculous. And I guess to this sounds like they're they want they want a little bit of money, but what if he goes to Tampa or if he goes to Florida? Now, Florida, I me think may, I think Florida definitely makes the most sense.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, based on you know, we were talking about that last week with uh, Baumgartner. But my God, if he went to Tampa, I'd cry.
0: I don't think I would. I I would go to those games just to boo him for doing it. I would. Uh, I I'd would. Try. I was gonna say, depending on how much they like Braden Schneider, maybe the Rangers. Ooh. I don't think that would be too awful, would it? I mean, you know, I, I think probably not. Though, no. we'll, we'll have to ask Mike. Yeah, ask nah, him. Uh, I still think Seattle should try and take a swing, no matter what, just to have that the PK Subban brand there. Also, the Sens need a right D probably want a more well, short option, they, a younger option but still
1: they need to get rid of one in particular
0: uh, that? yeah. oh, okay. that's what
1: i've been reading at least that's what the the sense twitter community has been saying so
0: hey we could see i mean or maybe minnesota because they always need guys who are on the cheap because you know they have no money and old uh yeah they do love their old guys there they do love-
1: especially um, on the back end
0: phil kessel I would really like Carolina to do that.
1: That that's a that's a really good show, and I think that's a market. Like Phil doesn't, and, and you know, obviously, I listen, man. If you want to come back to Toronto, I'd take him in an absolute heartbeat. Like yep. imagine playing on the side, mean, him playing on the second line. <laughs> like how ridiculous Can that you would just, be a line
0: with him and Nylander uh, would get ripped. Uh, but Steve <laughs> Simmons would have a heyday with it. I kind of want that. Him, Tavares, and Neilander would be the most oh my God, about line in Toronto. I,
1: stop. I yeah, honestly, it'd be, yeah, God, but again, like that, Carolina's a good show. Like it, I think he's more inclined to go to a market where he's pretty much not going to be talked about. I think, and, and that's because that's what he likes. And I think Carolina's uh, like that too. And again, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if. Florida comes calling, but again, that that depends on what that contract looks like, right? Like, what does a yeah. Phil Kessel contract look like?
0: I don't imagine it should be too much. He's made his mm-hmm. money. You know what? Maybe instead they use money to get Calvin DeHaan. You you want to know why I bring that up? Because I well, don't I mean, know if they brought in a D to replace replacing Cole yet. <laughs> you know what
1: I mean? That's that's true. <laughs> that, that's. <laughs> That's true. You okay? I, I changed my answer. I changed my answer. We yeah. they the Calgary flight. Actually, no, he won't go to Calgary.
0: That would that's be too much. Maybe then Goudreau got crap from McIntyre. Yeah, then. no, that's that's not gonna.
1: Or he could always go back to Arizona again. They still need to hit the cap floor. So
0: yeah, um, but,
1: and you're not going to be talked about at all if you're there. Like just because.
0: Would Phil play at ASU? Oh yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Why not?
0: Oh my God! Just imagine. Um, or I don't know I was gonna say Ottawa again, but no, I want to keep going back to that. Well, Bergeron, Boston in retirement. Uh, Louis Erickson is apparently going back to Sweden. Yeah, uh, that's a shame. Uh, who cares about Stralman? De Kaiser, De Haan was a meme. Uh, Kadri, we talked about. There's the dog. Um, we re- oh, the dog's really going off. I'm surprised that no one signed Zach Aston-Reese. I thought he was signed by someone. Or am I thinking of Danton Heinen? I think you're thinking of Danton Heinen. He a smart team is gonna gonna pick up Zach Aston-Reese. The dogs are just going nuts right now. You know,
1: I I think if the Leafs trade um, Alex Kerfoot, I or yeah, if the treat Leafs trade Alex Kerfoot, I think that's a the guy they should go after.
0: Tyler Mott, Jonas, uh yo, sorry, Johan Larson's still out there. Evan Rodriguez uh-huh. is still out there. That's very strange. Keith Yandel. Tyler Ennis.
1: A name you haven't mentioned, and I think it's going to be a very interesting one. And I think at this point, we're kind of waiting for Kadri to sign to see where he goes. But Paul Statsny, 45 points, 21 goals in 71 games last year.
0: So that's who needs a cheap centerman right now. Calgary that's very that's true uh, also like Tyler Piglick and Sonny Milano could be like bets for someone to take like who else who I'm just trying to look at who else just needs a what I think everyone could use a I feel like the sharks are going to do some move where it's like, what did that really do, and I feel like they could do a move like that like like why would you get Snasney because you're the sharks, but I' going sneeze Oh no, it did went and went. you know when you're about to sneeze and it just disappears yeah. Um, yeah, maybe, but you know, good names, good names. Uh, you guys need to sign. There's still good players out there, uh, a lot of good players out there.
1: There's a lot of RFAs too, like good ones.
0: Uh, okay, would you like to read them?
1: Yeah, I would because uh, we haven't been talking about them much this summer. It's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, Jason Robertson, Jesper Brat, yeah, Andrew Mangiapani,
0: yeah, like the bread,
1: Noah Dobson.
0: Which uh, that's good. That's, I think we're that's probably done. Probably it's Lou, it's Lou. <laughs> it's got to be. Yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, there's still Kyler Yamamoto, and obviously, did we talk about Yessi Puliar resigning that one-year deal? I three million
0: dollars. Ah, uh, whatever. it will get <sighs> traded eventually.
1: Yeah. Um, who else am I missing? I mean, Oliver Kate Shillington,
0: <laughs> Martin Nacast.
1: Uh, Oliver Shillington out of uh, Calgary.
0: Rasmus that's going to be in
1: Kirby Doc.
0: yeah apparently oh i hit my mic apparently the athletic are writing that's going to be done in either this or next week Oh, okay and this
1: is an interesting one sean derzy
0: that's gonna be a difficult uh that because
1: he's been pretty important i'd argue he was really good he had a really
0: good year he had a real good coming out year
1: he had he did
0: um what did he have 27 points that's not bad just under 20 minutes of ice time playing too
1: and just a great guy i don't know if you've watched that interview that he had on agent provocateur I have not
0: yet no i have not
1: i would suggest watching it. it's like he's just seems like a genuine guy
0: that's good i'm happy to hear that um but yeah philip zadina alexander Romanov, barrett hayden uh caleb jones and then just some other guys in there that are stories for reasons we can't just say, but there are some interesting RFA's out there that uh, we can't quite get into, including that's some. Other, oh, I just Siri. No, leave me alone. Come on, Siri. Voice. It was. I was sorry. It was YouTube voice. Oh, I don't know why I went on YouTube. This, this isn't. What are we doing, Adam? Okay. Well, I think that's everything. I believe so. Um, I want the next episode. And you only want to do. I want to look at I wanna look at I'm gonna write it down here. I wanna look at how many teams are contending versus how many teams are going for Connor Bedard next year. Because the extremes are kind of funny to me. We also we need Nazim Kadri
1: to sign because we need to do our offseason rankings.
0: Yeah, no, that's really bothering me. We need Mike to
1: come on. We need we need chaos.
0: Um, yeah. And then it's uh because I, 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 I think right now at least I think the sends are pole position for champions of the offseason. Oh Nashville sure. could be a threat there, maybe, maybe, because you know McDonough and McDonough and neither rider are fine. But I think right now it I think it's it's the, it's the Sens to lose right now. Honestly, yeah. And if they bring in Jacob and then it's just like holy. The Sens. Cow. Yeah, then it's but I think it's them right now. Dumpster fires, I think it's fair to say Chicago. like like I think it's like but here's the thing, they were dumpster fire last year.
1: Well, they're dumpster fire. They again. somehow
0: got worse. But they
1: were dumpster fire for a different reason. Last
0: they were, year. yeah. Like, uh, like like the coyotes, are they not status quo? Pretty much. You know, it, it, unless you capacity. want to put them in
1: dump, well, we'll have that discussion, but we could put them yeah, in dump yeah, far. No yeah, but we'll yeah, that's true. I will have to talk about what the qualifications are.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay. Because it's like the Habs, like, listen, like they're not better, but it's like they got the first overall pick and like Lane Hudson and that. It's like, like on the ice next year, they're gonna be just as bad, but it's like yeah. but they're it's 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 gonna be a very I think it will be the most interesting off season tier list episode we've done yet. The third Probably. annual two on one podcast off season tier list. Have they
1: all been with Mike? Is that why he yes, said it's a th- tradition okay? okay. Yes. I didn't know if he was on the first one. I know he was on the second and third Let's
0: see, one. Was right? he on the first one? I can't remember. I don't remember. Bah. Yeah, I'll never forget him making New Jersey the champions of the offseason. That was so you know, funny. When we look at it, our, our champions of the offseason, the Canadians, yeah, the Cup final. God, they were crap in the regular season. And then the Devils last year. Oh. God, they were crap. So the Sens are either going to make the finals or be complete crap.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: We should actually go back and review how we did last year to see how everything went. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's everything. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, My mic never cut out during that episode somehow. So that's nice. Um, But yeah, thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. Check out YouTube to see our beautiful face. Uh, Sorry that we talked about F1 for the first like 20 minutes. We had to. (laughs) to. The championships decided because Ferrari threw it away. Um, And we'll see you next time.